Spielman and Hooley, We Tackle Life podcast. Uh, no band, no cheerleaders, no Brutus. It'll be, un- it'll be unusual, be unique. I don't understand why uh, that's the case with a big old building like that. It seems silly to me that they can't put 10,000 people in there. It seems silly to me that in that gigantic press box they can only put 30 people. Um, so, you know, we've been through our view of COVID um, before, but that's what it is, and that's what they'll operate with, and it's throughout the Big Ten. Well, I think it's uniform through the Big Ten. Yeah. That's the main reason for doing it, as opposed to going state, like the NFL goes state by state. Yeah. So how did you like Buckeye football with no fans? We discussed today on a Monday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Good morning, everyone. A little later start today than we normally get. Chris uh, got held up last night in Houston, so he'll not be a part of the podcast this morning, but we appreciate you being a part of it. Okay, stop. Got uh, held up in Houston last night, so he will not be a part of the podcast this morning, but we appreciate you being a part of it. Browns with a thrilling win over the Cincinnati Bengals, and Carlos Dunlap going uh, full nuclear meltdown on social media after the game. We will discuss it all today. And uh, Kyler Murray with a big uh, rally win last night late against the Seattle Seahawks. Dodgers take a 3-2 lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm for the Rays, so hopefully the Rays will get it together tonight. But let's start with uh, let's start with the Buckeyes. Uh, Saturday afternoon, noon kickoff. Everybody's been waiting and 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 waiting, waiting, waiting. Can't say waiting enough. For Big Ten football, everybody else got to be a part of the party. Everybody but the Pac-12, it seems. And uh, Clemson has a four-game head start on Ohio State. Look, here's the deal. As I wrote this morning for PressProsMagazine.com, I feel like, as a college football fan, a trust fund kid. I feel like I'm 12 years old. I know that eventually, when I'm 28... I'm going to be given millions and millions and millions of dollars, but I can't get my hands on it as quickly as I want to. Clemson and Ohio State are going to play for the national championship. That has never been more clear to me than it became Saturday once I watched Justin Fields throw the ball all over Ohio Stadium and Nebraska be powerless to stop it, as will every other Big Ten team be powerless to stop it. Yes, that includes Michigan, and it certainly includes Penn State, after Penn State yacked away a win over Indiana on Saturday in a game that Penn State, frankly, shouldn't have won and didn't, but uh, would have made this week's game at State College infinitely more interesting if Ohio State and Penn State were both 1-0. And Clemson is going to be in the national title game because even though they struggled a little bit on Saturday against Syracuse, Syracuse Syracuse is Clemson's Purdue. That's just a way to look at it. For some reason, Syracuse plays well against Clemson. Syracuse doesn't play well against very many other people. It didn't play well against Liberty the week before. But Syracuse was in the game with Clemson until eh, late third quarter, middle third quarter, and then Clemson made the plays that it needed to make to run away from Syracuse. Clemson and Ohio State are far and away the class of college football. It's not a coincidence that they both have the two best quarterbacks in college football. Although Mac Jones of Alabama is really good, But Mac Jones of Alabama can't be as good without Jalen Waddell. And that's why I say today I am absolutely 100% positive it's going to be Ohio State and Clemson 
in the national title game because Jalen Waddle broke his ankle on Saturday. And any hope that Alabama had of outscoring either Clemson or Ohio State in a college football playoff semifinal is gone with Jalen Waddle gone for the rest of the season. Now you can gang your coverage onto Devontae Smith, even though Bama has other players, even though Bama has Najee Harris. Uh, Bama's defense is not as good, certainly not as good as Clemson's, and it's not even as good as Ohio State's, even though Ohio State's wasn't very good on Saturday, I didn't think. That's the takeaway that I had from Ohio State's win over Nebraska, is that, look, I know we all want to believe in the fact that Ohio State is plug-and-play, and for many years they are plug-and-play. Joey Bosa leaves, Nick Bosa slides in, Nick Bosa leaves, Chase Young slides in, Denzel Ward leaves, Jeff Okuda slides in, on and on and on and on. Eventually, and it's usually at Ohio State, it's about every eh, five to eight years, there's a noticeable drop-off when you get a series of All-Americans at a position all exhaust their either eligibility or their willingness to stick around Columbus before they head to the NFL and cash in. The defensive line is not nearly what last year's defensive line was based upon how I saw Nebraska move Ohio State's defensive line. Now, that's not to say that Zach Harrison won't eventually become a really good pass rusher that... Um, Tommy Togiai and uh, Haskell Garrett and some of the other guys on the defensive line won't eventually step up to Ron Vincent, step up and really be good, but they weren't great Saturday. And it's not just Chase Young leaving, it's Robert Landers leaving, it's Devon Hamilton leaving, it's defensive tackles with size, experience, talent, and understanding of how to play the game, all the leverage, all the angles. So they have work to do on the defensive line. Now they have a guy who can get that work done in Larry Johnson, but they have work to do on the defensive line. Okay, so that's the first thing that jumped out at me. The linebackers, did Bill Davis get rehired as linebacker coach? Because they sure look like they looked two years ago. I know they moved Pete Warner around, and Pete Warner had a great year last year. And I know they have high hopes for Baron Browning. I didn't really see much esoteric or uh, unusual or inventive with Baron Browning on Saturday. Big gaps for Luke McCaffrey and uh, Adrian Martinez to run through. How does Nebraska not have a... How's Nebraska's best running back, their backup quarterback? <laughs> That's a fail, Scott Frost. But, you know, the, I don't mean to... Here's the thing. We have such high standards for Ohio State football that we just expect because 13-0 uh, a year ago and Urban never won less than 11 games. We just expect them to roll out there and dominate. Well, Nebraska took it right down the field and scored and, you know, Ohio State did the same. Ohio State did it again. Nebraska did it again. Then things settled down and Ohio State started to dominate the football game. But, did I mean, Am I barking up a tree here? Did they not look as good defensively? I don't. I think it's indisputable. They didn't look as good defensively. Secondary, again, you can't lose Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett, two first-round corners, and Jordan Fuller, an experienced safety, and feel and not feel it. And they and they felt it. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, nobody's surprised that Justin Fields looked great. That he looks quick and fast. Now, 
Will they have to run him? I think they will, but I think they will not have to run him until at least the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. Although, now Wisconsin, which looked fairly impressive, they, look, they looked impressive in a Wisconsin sort of way. There's a difference to Wisconsin impressive and Ohio State impressive. Ohio State impressive is tied up in its athleticism, in its depth, in its speed. Wisconsin impressive is tied up in, you know, just gradual, mind-numbing physicality at the point of attack and a few big plays here and there. But Wisconsin impressive has a different wrinkle this year, probably by, you know, bad fortune for Jack Cohn, but good fortune for Wisconsin, in that Jack Cohn hurt his foot in practice, and now Graham Mertz is their quarterback, and Graham Mertz is better than Jack Cohn. Unless Jack Cohn's improved a lot, Graham Mertz is a better thrower, and that's what Wisconsin needs. They need a better thrower. They need somebody who can get it to someone besides their tight ends, and Graham Mertz can, but Graham Mertz can't, it appears, for the next three weeks, because he's reportedly tested positive for COVID. Now, they won't have any problem winning two of those games, but the third one is Michigan, and they may have trouble beating Michigan if they're down to their third-team quarterback, because Mertz was their backup. Uh, as for Michigan, okay, Joe Milton, yeah, I'll say Joe Milton, legit. Joe Milton's legit. He's better than I thought he would be. He's better than I remember Dylan, Dylan McCaffrey being. He's far better than Shea Patterson was. Uh, I never understood the fascination with Shea Patterson. And uh, last year I thought, well, McCaffrey and Joe Milton must not be very good if they can't beat out Shea Patterson. Uh, but they didn't, and we don't need to sell you as an Ohio State fan, and most of you are who listen to the Spielman Hooley podcast, on Shea Patterson being ordinary. He's missed a ton of people over the last two years when Ohio State's just flat-out routed Michigan. Now, Milton's good, but I don't see anybody else out there. I mean, do you see a Garrett Wilson out there on Michigan? I don't. you see a Chris Olave? I don't. Um, I'm not even sure I see a Master Teague at tailback, although Master Teague was not very good on Saturday, nor was Trey Sermon. There's a reason Trey Sermon transferred from Oklahoma. There's a reason he wasn't playing at Oklahoma. And I think we saw some of those reasons on Saturday. Now, can they get better at running back? Yeah. I'd like Steel Chambers to get more of a look at running back. Maybe not against Penn State. There's something I don't know about his blitz pickup or about his ball security or any of those other things that a running back has to be able to do. But I, boy, J.K. Dobbins, um, you didn't, I didn't fully appreciate him. Chris did, but I didn't fully appreciate J.K. Dobbins until I watched Teague and Sermon run Saturday and a lot of four-yard gains and less, uh, which is why I say against a good team, which they won't play one until the Big Ten championship game because I still don't believe Michigan's a good team and I certainly don't believe Penn State's a good team. Uh, they'll have to run Justin Fields, but that's okay. That's okay because uh, Clemson, they run Trevor Lawrence some. In fact, I think Clemson runs Trevor Lawrence too much in the regular season. But in the playoff game against Ohio State, you see what a running quarterback, you see the problems he causes for a defense. Trevor Lawrence caused big-time problems for Ohio State running the football. That's why Ohio State had to honor him at the line of scrimmage on those little flip passes to Travis Etienne, where Etienne would get behind the linebackers and turn those into huge gains for Clemson. So Ohio State can do all that with Justin Fields going forward. I think they will. I think Ryan Day is a great play caller. I think his players play their tails off for him. Ohio State will get better. Uh, they don't need to be any better to run 
through the rest of their regular season because after Penn State Saturday, and boy, the luster's off that one after the uh, Lions lose at Indiana, um, they'll cruise. They'll cruise through Penn State. I think Saturday, yeah, probably yeah, 34-24, somewhere in there. Uh, and then it's a it's a it's a it's absolutely a beer truck with no brakes rolling downhill until they get to Michigan, and Michigan's going to have to show me a lot more than they showed me because Minnesota put up 24 on them defensively. Michigan's defense is still not dominant. Dax Hill might be out for a while. I just don't believe Michigan can stop Ohio State from doing whatever Ohio State wants to do offensively. So, again, I'm a trust fund kid waiting for Ohio State-Clemson because that's what we're going to get. I'd take Ohio State-Clemson over the field right now and feel great about it because Clemson's going to get into playoff even if they lose a game. They have they have earned that with the way, way they have dominated the last few years. I'm not at all saying they're going to lose a game, but... Uh, I just think it's Ohio State, Clemson, or bust. It's Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. They're the two defining people in college football this year. They're the two best players in college football this year at the quarterback position. And I'm just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Christmas morning. I'm waiting for my trust fund money. I'm just waiting until I can watch Clemson and Ohio State. So just a brief look at those two teams right now as they match up. And here's the deal. Everything is filtered through the prism of Clemson got a head start. They should be better right now. They are better right now. Um, Clemson's defense is way better right now. Clemson's secondary is better than I thought it would be because they lost a lot in the secondary. They've filled holes in the secondary through five games better than Ohio State appears to have done that through one. But let's check Ohio State through five games. That's a fair comparison right now. It's not a fair comparison. Okay, so we switch to uh, the NFL. Uh, the Browns come back yesterday and beat the Bengals. And the Bengals... Uh, with Joe Burrow, um, should have won that game, but the Bengals' defense stinks, and Baker Mayfield got rolling after a bad first quarter, and he completed essentially completed his last 22 passes. He had a spike because he's only in completion. So great win by the Browns. That's a loss they could not have afforded. The negativity around Baker Mayfield, the negativity around the team. You know, if you lose your first three games in the AFC North all on the road, that's not good. So they win that game, and the Browns are 5-2, and two, and they're a legit 5-2. and two. I think they're a legit 5-2. and two. I think they're a good team. They won that game yesterday without Odo Beckham Jr. They didn't appear to miss him one little bit. Uh, the two biggest completions of the game, great catches by Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Wow, Donovan Peoples-Jones catch at the end. I can't even tell you whether Mayfield's pass or Donovan Peoples-Jones catch, which was better. It took both, obviously. And uh, just a phenomenal final drive by the Browns. They're midfield with 40 seconds left and no timeouts. And two completions, boom, end zone, game over. Uh, but Joe Burrow was great again. I, th I had a thought this morning. What are the Bengals going to do if they're the worst team in the NFL? They're trending toward it. And they have the number one pick overall. Joe Burrow's legit, but Trevor Lawrence is sitting there. I mean, the Bengals could get a absolute treasure chest of picks and players for Trevor Lawrence. But would you look at Trevor Lawrence as better than Joe Burrow? Mm, that's a discussion for Wednesday with Mr. Spielman. We'll have that on Wednesday. Now, I can't imagine that Chris would sanction what um, Carlos Dunlap 
of the Bengals did after the game. Dunlap, he's the Bengals got to get rid of him. They just do. I mean, sometimes you got to cut your losses, and there's a lot of losses to cut on the Bengals, not just you know wins and losses, losses, but money losses. They're paying Carlos Dunlap ten million, no, eleven million dollars a year. They're paying Geno Atkins fourteen million dollars a year. Geno Atkins has 49 snaps in his last three games. He does not have a stat. He does not have a tackle. He does not have a sack. He does not have quarterback pressure. Nothing. Zip, zero, nada. Now, at least Geno Atkins is pretty much keeping his mouth shut. But Carlos Dunlap is not keeping his mouth shut. He's not keeping his Instagram shut. He's not keeping his Twitter shut. Carlos Dunlap yesterday popped off at the coaches on the sideline after the game, had to be restrained by A.J. Green and others. He uh, went on uh, Twitter after the game and said his house is for sale. This following a week in which he posted the whiteboard depiction of the Bengals' defensive line rotation, on which he was listed third at defensive end. He did that on Instagram. So he's a equal opportunity social media offender of the sanctity of the locker room. And uh, this has the potential to divide a team. But it also appears to have the potential to unite a team behind not Carlos Dunlap, who's one sack away from the Bengals franchise record, but behind Zach Taylor. Yes, the same Zach Taylor who's won 12-1 in one possession games as Bengals head coach. And is what, 3-19-1 overall? Something like that. Uh, here's Joe Burrow, most important endorser of Zach Taylor after the game. Zach is going to get us where we want to go. I know everyone's down in the dumps right now. The fan base is frustrated just as we are. We're 1-5-1, and one, but we have a great guy at the helm in Zach who called a great game today. He's going to keep us together. He's the leader of the team, the leader of the organization. All right, so there's a rookie. You can figure that out. That you know He's going to be part of the all-in on Zach Taylor. Uh, what about Tyler Boyd? Tyler Boyd, big contract from the Bengals, $11 million a year himself. Uh, after the game, Tyler Boyd on Carlos Dunlap. He's a veteran. He knows what he should and should not do at the end of the day. Regardless of the situation he's in, we're a team. Hmm. All right, what about A.J. Green on Carlos Dunlap? A.J. Green says, I don't know the exact situation that happened, but as a captain and a leader, my job is to defuse a lot of these situations. I know a lot of people are frustrated with whatever's going on, but at the end of the day, we're a family. we got to keep all this in-house. So that's not a repudiation of Dunlap, but it's certainly not a repudiation, even remotely, of Taylor. And Gio Bernard, same thing. He's out there saying, you know, that Zach Taylor's the guy and that uh, Carlos Dunlap's out of line. So that's not, to me, the Bengals, you got to say, look, nobody's trading for Carlos Dunlap. Nobody's saying, hey, hey. Could we have a defensive end who's old and not making any impact at all and pay him $11 million a year? Could we do that favor for you, Cincinnati Bengals? Nobody's saying that. Nobody would say that. Only a crazy person would say that, and there are no crazy people in the NFL. Uh, maybe Antonio Brown, if he's been re-signed. But Geno Atkins, he's not helping him. Carlos Dunlap's not helping him. problem is the Bengals are uber thin on defensive linemen. They're like signing a new guy every week. If you get rid of two guys who can play 10 to 15 snaps a game, you got to fill those snaps. But at some point, a body, even if it's like not even warm, but just lukewarm, is better than 
a Carlos Dunlap who's dragging everybody down and who's getting way more headlines than his play demands. This is an this is an object lesson, Cincinnati Bengals. Don't give aging defensive linemen third contracts. Don't do that. I'm not an advocate of giving running backs second contracts. I certainly would not give an aging defensive lineman a third contract. Stupid. Stupid. And you bear the cost of your own stupidity. And that is where that lands. Now, Spiels had the Cardinals and the... No, he didn't. He had the the, uh, Panthers and the Saints, which ended up being a pretty good game. Uh, He got stuck in Houston late, so that's why he's not here today. But when he gets home, you know what he'll do? Besides sleep. Once he wakes up, he'll have his Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee. Yes, of course he will. We hope you have become a Hemisphere Coffee Roasters customer. All it takes is try Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee. Once you do, you'll understand that it's fantastic coffee sourced direct from growers, Indonesia, uh, Thailand, other countries as well. Best part of it, they pay the growers more than the growers would get if they went through your typical government channels. They do great things in their local community. They pump money into the local economy, and the local economy then recycles that money as this guy pays that guy, and that guy pays another guy, on and on and on. So you can feel good about the men of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee, and you'll certainly feel good about the Taste Hunters Blend, House Blend, um, Jamaica Me Crazy, many, many different flavors. You can grind it yourself. They'll send you the beans, or they'll grind it for you. Super fresh, vacuum sealed, or K-Cups, and they don't package the K-Cups until you order them. And their K-Cups are the best quality out there. So, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee, available to you at 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. And we appreciate your business with Hemisphere and uh, their sponsorship of our podcast. I really don't have a whole lot more for you on the uh, football front because we hit the Buckeyes, we hit Michigan, Penn State, I listened to the Penn State game. The Penn State announcers were uh, apoplectic over the opportunities that Penn State wasted. Their offensive coordinator at Penn State is uh, the guy who was offensive coordinator at Minnesota last year, Kirk Shiraka. At Minnesota, he had this package that he really liked with a big physical dude coming in on short yardage running the Wildcat. Penn State has that same kind of quarterback in Will Levis. Saw him last year in Ohio Stadium. He ran it pretty well for Penn State. But Will Levis, they ran that package twice on Saturday. First time they got a delay a game. Second time he fumbled at the nine-yard line. So I don't know if they'll, I don't know if they'll go back to that against Ohio State or not. They missed a couple of field goals. They had the game won and got the ball back with like a minute and a half to go, up one, and they did the thing you cannot do. They scored a touchdown. So they scored a touchdown. They kick the extra point. They're up eight now. Indiana gets the ball. And you just, I mean, you saw this coming, right? Indiana's going to go right down the field. They're going to get a two-point conversion. We're going to overtime. That's what happened. Penn State scores in overtime, kicks a point. Indiana, right through Penn State's defense, scores, go for, goes for the two-point win. And Michael Penix, the quarterback, lunges. I didn't see the play. Uh, the Penn State announcers were not upset that they replayed it and counted it. There was some dispute as to whether Penix, the ball, touched the sideline before it touched the pylon. Indiana wins. And everybody's extolling Indiana now. Oh, Tom Allen's really got Indiana rolling. Oh, watch out for Indiana. Come on, man. Is it possible that Indiana's just okay, like Indiana's always like just okay? Seven and five okay? 
or in this era, you know, six and two okay, five and three okay. And Penn State's just not very good because they lost KJ Hamler, they lost Micah Parsons, they lost Noah Kane on Saturday. He didn't come in uh, after an early injury. Um, and they had a third team running back in there, and he made a dumb decision to score on a 14 yard run rather than go down at the two yard line. Because he goes down at the two yard line, they snap it a few times, Indiana's out of timeouts, game over. You win by one. Instead, he wants to score a touchdown, got his team beat. Those are the kinds of mental mistakes you can't make. Now, speaking of disputes, if you have one, legally, Willis Spangler Starling is the place to go. Stan, Kelly, the great attorneys at Willis Spangler Starling, they are equipped to handle any issue that you confront. Workers' comp, personal injury, wills of state planning, all the biggies. Contract approval, contract drafting, you name it, they can do it. They've done it for me. I wouldn't go anywhere else because I know that my attorneys have the utmost integrity, character, expertise, and they're easy to get with, too. Availability, too. I'm surprised I could get in so quickly. So they really service their clients. They are located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard. You can find them online at willisattorneys.com. W-I-L-L-I-S attorneys.com. And their website is very informative. They have a blog that educates you on legal issues. And they do a lot of fun stuff in their office, too. So follow them on social media. Willis Spangler Starling. Online, willisattorneys.com. As I transition into the faith portion of the podcast today, Saturday was a day that uh, Franklin Graham, uh, the son of Billy Graham, held a national day of prayer and fasting for our country. It's an important time in our country. Obviously, you know, there's a presidential election coming up a week from tomorrow. Uh, Don't know if my awareness of Franklin Graham's prayer initiative and fasting initiative on Saturday put me in a particularly reflective mood uh, about our country, but I was in a particularly reflective mood about our country on Saturday, and I feel very uh, burdened, I will say, perhaps even troubled, about our about my interactions with people on Twitter. Not that I, and I'm not trying to blow my own horn here, I feel like I'm doing a better job of engaging in a civil manner on Twitter. But the engagements with me are sometimes not very civil. That's not a woe is me, all boo Bruce. It just, it it impacts me to see how other people respond on things that it appears to me they lack understanding on in terms of a spiritual basis and a spiritual view, a Christ-like view of our world today. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to elevate myself above anyone and I'm not commenting on other people's mental acumen or anything like that. I'm saying that my prism of looking at life is through uh, a prism that I hope is ordered according to God's design for my life. And I know that not everyone shares my worldview. So when people who don't share my worldview respond in a fashion that's antithetical to my worldview, I see how, quote-unquote, the world thinks. And it just makes me sad because I really strongly believe that everyone's long-term future is better if it is respectful of and submissive to God's authority. Because as I said before, everyone will hear no matter who you are, nationality, race, gender, whatever, you will hear one of two things at the end of your life. You will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or you will hear, depart from me, I never knew you. I don't want anybody to hear the latter sentence. 
And so it gives me a burden when I interact with people on social media and I see things that worry me about their position. And so um, I was reading, praying Saturday, um, reading and praying today. Um, and so I just want to share like two verses with you that I want to put together. Um, one is from Proverbs. You know that I spend a lot of time in Proverbs. Um, and one is uh, from the Gospel of Mark. And so the first verse from Proverbs is chapter 26, uh, verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. So that's a admonition to me to watch how I engage so that I don't go down to a level where um, I see something that troubles me. I can't go to that level and respond the same way. The verse from Mark is Mark 13, 13. It's Jesus talking, and he's telling his disciples, he's telling his followers how people will react to them when they put on display or speak about their faith in Christ, their submission to Christ, their reverence for Christ, their esteeming and extolling of Christ's sovereignty over the world. This is the reaction you will get. Jesus said, all men will hate you because of me. All men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So that's an encouragement. That's an eyes wide open. Be aware of what your life will be like if you stand for truth. And I'm not trying to like say, oh, look at me. I'm just saying that encourages me to stand for truth, but it also encourages me that the reaction that I get is not something that I should be surprised by, and nor should you be surprised by it uh, when that happens, because that is what Jesus said is coming. It's not a um, suggestion of coming attractions, it is a guarantee of coming attractions. And why would Jesus lie to us? He would not. So be aware that um, it's almost confirmation that you're on the right track. And I mean, stay humble, read your Bible, be journaling, thinking, praying about responding in a Christ-like way. Don't get egotistical, don't get legalistic. I battle both. Um, but I think that's uh, an admonition from Jesus that uh, that um, will be the reaction. And hopefully we react in such a way that people will be drawn to him by our reactions. So that's what I have for you today from a faith perspective. Uh, a final word from a final sponsor who is uh, big at this time of year with open enrollment, your health insurance. It's a, it's a murky place to be, figuring out what's there, what you're paying for, what you're getting, what you need. I can't vouch enough for the credibility and expertise of the people at auiinfo.com. It's just a website name to you, but I know the people behind it. I know Chrissy, I know Steve, I know their heart for people. I know how really smart they are on these matters. You don't want to find when you need your health insurance that your health insurance is not what you need. Maybe it's a change in your doctor's um, 
you know, uh, falling under a certain plan. He was in a plan before. He's not in the plan now. The hospital I want was in the plan before. It's not in the plan now. You probably don't track those things. They do at AUI Info. So a free call, because their compensation comes from the insurance companies. It doesn't come from you. Cost of a healthcare consultant is baked into the cake at healthcare.gov or anywhere else you go. So you would be um, giving away something you're already paying for within the healthcare policy by not contacting auiinfo.com during this period of open enrollment. And if you're a business owner, AUI Info can help you find the plan that will help you attract the best employees and keep the best employees. So I'd advocate that you do that uh, as soon as you can. auiinfo.com. auiinfo.com. That'll do it for me. Have a great Monday. Spiel's back on Wednesday, and we'll talk to you then.